mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 15, and we are super excited to have a special guest with us, Hannah Cruz. And I got your last name right, right? She recently got married, so I didn't say the old last name. What is that, Hannah Cruz guest? What is I even that? wrote it down. This oh. is my note page. Fantastic, oh. and Jay and even right got it right. Name. Yes, Woo-hoo! that's amazing. So I have before we get jump in and ask Hannah questions, I have to tell some a funny story that Ruth doesn't know, um, and <laughs> Hannah either. So um, she just finished telling us a funny story, or not a, a story that I hadn't heard before. But um, when Adelie was, that's my daughter who's now ten, right? When she was turning like four or something, somewhere around there, I decided had this bright idea that I was going to throw her a birthday party and I was going to be it was going to be awesome Jay's already laughing because he knows it's coming and I was going to have it at the park and I was going to be like all Martha Stewart or Pinterest I don't even know if Pinterest existed then but I was going to I was going to knock it out of the park well it was an, out of the park yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's good it was an absolute disaster. I didn't rent a space. I thought, oh, we'll just get there. It'll, It'll be, be Saturday in April. I'm sure nobody will be using yeah. the gazebo at the oh, park. Yeah, no one. No. Every single space was taken. So we were like on the dirt under a tree. And then um, my ba- trip got sunburned after my mom had left the park to go get sunscreen. I spent an enormous amount of money trying to make this fantastic birthday party. So it was. Can you tell them what we were making at this birthday party? Um, plants, right? What? No, we aprons. Pla- we, I don't know. We made aprons or customized aprons. Yeah. With like a paint or something yeah. on anyway, them. Anyway, and then made little plant things wearing their. <laughs> Newly customized See, that aprons. that was cute, right? Okay, well, it was still a hot mess. And so we made this family rule that birthday parties only happen on multiples of five from now on because birthday parties were way too much of, maybe too much effort. <laughs> so I think birthday it's... Birthday parties outside of the immediate family. Exactly. So now I, I think it's kind of funny that our episode 10 and our episode five, we both had special guests. And I'm wondering if we'll continue that pattern, oh. like, a bir- like our birthday party pattern. Right. So oh. anyway, we'll see. Except for special guests have not been a hot mess no our special guests were great actually right. <laughs> yeah so we're glad that you're here well, thank you for having me and um we will start by just asking you to tell us a little bit about your teaching journey like what do you teach now and what have you already taught and tell us where you've taught and how long sure so i started off teaching um third grade and getting a job after my student teaching experience and i've taught third grade for all of my career except for one stint in second grade which was so joyful because there was not standardized testing um (laughs) i spent the first two years in a gen ed setting in third grade and then transitioned to teaching gifted education for three years um, and then moved to North Carolina for a year, which is when I taught second grade Mm -hmm. and um, got to experience some of the common core curriculum, which was interesting. And then moved back to Virginia. And now I'm at the Ghost Center in third grade at RS Payne. Awesome. So we are, Hannah and I are teammates. That's how she, you got here. She got here and we're right next door to each other. And I just thoroughly enjoy teaching with you and being (laughs) on your team. Um, And I think you've added a lot of joy and new perspective to our class. I mean, to our, to our unit. So, yeah. Um, And so your, all your experience has been in Virginia and North Carolina. Correct. Just those two places. Okay, cool. So Bruce, you want to, we want to take turns. You want to ask the next question? Sure. 
It's like a job interview. Right. <laughs> it does feel a little bit interviewish. So. Um, so Tracy and I read this book um, by Tracy Zager. And one of the takeaways from the book was that the experiences we had as a student sure. molded who we are as a math teacher. And we actually did a book study this summer and we were able to draw and I did a um, conference on it and I just asked teachers to draw a line that represented their math education. Like, did you have a really good high when you were being taught? Did you have a low? Do you remember specific things? And then can you transfer that to your teaching? So I'm kind of interested in what you thought about math Mm -hmm. when you were in elementary school, high school, college, kind of your math journey. Sure. So I was in, I guess, the advanced track or the gift, whatever track. Okay. Um, so I was always kind of a year ahead in, in math, but I never really thought that I was good at math. I just knew I must be if I'm taking sixth grade math and fifth grade, but I never felt mm. very confident in it. Um, and I think a lot of my, I guess, math insecurities, if that's a thing. Right. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> came from like fact fluency and just the pressure that if my teach, if I were to ask my teacher a question and part of discovering that answer or helping to find out the answer required me to know three times five. And she said, well, what's three times five? And I didn't know it. So I was fearful to even ask questions because I was not, I was afraid that I'd be asked a question. I wouldn't know the answer quickly enough, if hmm. that makes sense. Um, and then when I got to higher levels of math, I really was successful if there was an algorithm taught or a series of steps taught because I'm a rule follower. And so I could follow those rules and I could memorize those rules. And that's when I was successful. Um, But then it didn't always translate to problem solving or application type things that were outside Mm -hmm. of the realm of, I guess I call them naked problems where you just solve and follow the steps. Um, So today as a mathematician (laughs) um (laughs) I can see some of those things coming back that like it's sometimes hard to remember the rules or the steps of a problem if that's what you were taught years later um so in my practice now I think I have um kind of an understanding for those students that do really well with the logical sequence and learn in that way and learn order and can do things in sequence I guess so Mm -hmm. I I don't think that should be discounted when teaching math. And certainly in terms of efficiency, sometimes the algorithm and those steps are the most efficient way. Mm -hmm. But because of, you know, how I've learned and what I don't remember now, which is why I teach third grade math, (laughs) um, I kind of hold that algorithm and those steps kind of in my back pocket as like a, like a, not a gift, that sounds silly, but um, as a way that they can if they get there on their own and then we discover it together as a class or if they've muddled through it for a long time and they've had this strategy and had this strategy and then we talk about this is just another strategy that we can use. And so I think that piece has kind of shaped who I am as a teacher in terms of respecting that process and those students who Hmm. learn in that way, but not making it forced until it's time. And Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then also too, with the whole piece of me, like being feeling kind of, paralyzed when like asking a question is she going to ask me a question and I don't know the answer um so I just do this you know helper time thing and that's how I kind of work on that so if a student asks me a question and 
in class or by myself, just one-on-one. And it requires them to provide some sort of answer back. And they, I can see in their eyes, like, I always just say quickly, would you like some help or some more time to think about it? So it gives them a way out if they feel all of a sudden like, oh, crap, you know? So that's kind of how I've used that. Okay. So you said helper time. You mean help. You're saying help Help, or time. Yes. Would you like help or would you like time? So I just say help or time. And then they can say help and, okay, we call on someone and we go from there. So I really like that. That's what you're using when you're like calling on somebody in in front of the whole group. Like a whole group. Yeah. Okay. So how do you introduce that? Like, did you have a, this is what's going to happen in math and I'm going to say, do you want help or do you want time? Or did you just start to do it and they, do you do it other subjects too? Cause it's a really good strategy. Sure. Yeah. So it wasn't an explicit conversation at any point. It was just the first time I saw that deer in headlights. Oh, mm, that spotlight's on me and I don't know. I just say it. And then it's just something we do in, across the board. I like that. Yeah. I, I have those kids in my class that you can see they want help, but then the process of even when it's one on one, the sure. process of helping them, they're still like, Ugh, "I'm not understanding anything that you're saying," and I they wish just I just want to run away and be out of the situation. I would have rather just sat in my desk, confused, than go ask a question because I was fearful she'd kind of turn it and be uh-huh. like, "Well, what's this and what's that and what do you know about this?" And she would pull a Tracy. What do you think the answer? Is? Yeah, <laughs> I, I frustrate kids in my class. Like I know that there are some kids that I'm not connecting with because I because of that fear. For whatever reason, and I want to just be like, say something, you know, <laughs> just put your put a stiff foot out there and make, right. take a risk. I did that today. We were balancing equations, and I had him in in his hand. I said, "You have n. You don't know what's in there. Can you hold me? Can you show me n?" And then I said, "What is? What would you have in your hand if I gave you five and took five away? What is n plus five minus five? And he kept saying nine because that was the answer to the other side of the equation. 14 minus five was nine. And I said, I want you to listen to the question. And he really, if he would have listened, would have been able to get it. But I didn't just let it go. Mm-hmm. Right. And now the whole class is like, N. <laughs> yeah. So I had to yeah. like pull him aside at the end and say, that's not how I wanted that to go. And he's like, I know I was just. Like, he was trying to solve the problem, not answer the question I was asking. Mm-hmm. But I saw that, like, deer in headlights. Because at that point, he's like, I don't even know what she's asking me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I need to be more empathetic in those situations. I'm not good at that. <laughs> I might already have my takeaway for the day. Right. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. You need to be empathetic. Any empathetic Period. at all. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a check. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not surprised by that comment at all. It's so true. Like that is not my strength at all is, but that's okay. I got other strengths. (laughs) Um, So do we've shared a little bit, but do, does anybody have a math moment from today that you want to share? Like a high point or a low point or something funny or something that you bombed or anything? Do you have a math moment? Um, well, it's kind of a two-parter math moment from yesterday that I tried to fix for today. Okay. <laughs> so I have this one student who is not the strongest problem solver, but she thinks that she is. And then, like, I love that because she's so confident in her wrongness. <laughs> and and it's just, it. You can't help but be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes she'll just get going. And I don't – I think she thinks the more numbers you have on your paper, the smarter you are, Ooh. even if those numbers have nothing to do with the problem <laughs> that's being solved. 
And so often they work in partnerships when they're problem solving. And I, I usually group based on likability. So they can move together at the same pace and need a challenge at the same pace mm -hmm. or, or, or what have you. And so um, when I'm circulating and I come over to her, her and her partner at that point yesterday, they were kind of not too far gone, but they had gone a, a way off the deep end. And I was struggling to bring them back without saying this is all wrong, obviously. Right. Um, and just kind of find where the misstep was. Mm -hmm. And so I struggled with that. <laughs> so then today, <clears throat> excuse me, I said to myself, I'm going to, instead of waiting to circle back to their group, I'm going to just go to them first, an easy fix. Mm -hmm. That way we can start their foot off on the right path mm -hmm. um, rather than try to backtrack it. So that was successful today. I checked in with them first. We got them on a good strategy. They were offered manipulatives and then they just had a much more successful math period because they started. So just being more cognizant of which team I go to at which point in my circulation and, yeah. you know, those, those stronger problem solvers, I'm going to check in with them towards the end when they're finished quickly mm -hmm. and they need it. They need a challenge at that point. Yeah. So, um, it was a bomb yesterday and a little bit more successful today. Good. That's great. So this is really funny. We are teaching, I'm teaching variables and, um, I start the story with King variable and he is attached and he lives in algebra land. Somebody made it. I use it. The kids love it. But during the story, I tell the story of a mom who has kids that she has to take to Target because she forgot to go to the grocery store when her husband was at home with the kids the night before. And nobody likes to take their toddlers all under the age of four to the grocery store. And she's got a baby strapped to the front and two holding hands. And the two on the outside are clearing <laughs> the shelves. <laughs> so I tell it with so much animation. And then I say, what does this mom need? And always someone says some alone time or that's, some freedom. That's what they pick out. <laughs> Which is exactly what it is because the variable needs to be isolated. And it's just beautiful. Oh, what did you think, JJ? To go... Some help? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking the dad needs <laughs> to be <A> there. <laughs> I mean, something. So yeah. when they say she needs a babysitter, I say, why? And then they say, so she can just have some freedom. Yes, that's what every mom needs. Just a little bit of isolation. And then I say, did you know that moms and sixth graders have a lot in common? Because sometimes moms go to the bathroom when they don't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> just to be alone. Well, last year was my very favorite time telling this story. It's the end. I've told it 10 years. It is the last class of the day. And someone says, she needs a nap. And I'm like, right. Well, what kind of nap? The kind of nap where kids are in bed with you or another kind? And he says, the kind of nap you get when dad comes home from lunch? <laughs> I, Tracy, how do you not die laughing in the middle of class? I, I couldn't even like guide them down the right path of alone time because that mom was not getting to be the isolated variable. She was not getting some alone time. <laughs> the opposite Yikes. of alone time. So today I'm like retelling that story and I just am giggling to myself because I'm laughing about this kid who's completely innocent. At the end of class, he's like, 
Mrs. Z, I made you laugh. Why was that so funny? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, come on back to me when you're a senior <laughs> in high school. <laughs> and I'll tell you why that was did so funny. Did you tell his mom that he told that story? I did. <laughs> because his mom said, like, it was a couple of months later. I'm like, I just love your son. And I got to tell you that he made me laugh. And she thought, she just said, my husband will think that's the best story ever. <laughs> that's so. awesome. Oh. There was a math moment from last year that that's I thought good. about all day today. So my my story is not nearly as funny as that, Ruth, but <laughs> mine is just that I used a tool last – didn't we talk about technology last time, right, yes. in, in 14? And I used a tool today that I think worked fairly well. Um, we had been talking about misconceptions with decimal multiplication. We've made it all the way through the mm. algorithm. We've practiced, and now we have to look at what are the common mistakes that they do. And so I gave them a paper that I made up that said two truths – no, two lies, a truth, and a question. And they had to work through which were the two things that were wrong, what was the one that was right but didn't necessarily look right, and could you answer the final question. And at the end, after we talked about it with partners, which actually, Hannah, I got an idea from you that I'll have to tell you about in a minute. But um, we, after we talked about it in partners and then we talked about it whole group, I just wanted them, instead of reflecting a final time or doing some more problems, I gave them a an, an, um, prompt on Flipgrid and, and just said, pick one of these problems and talk about it. And I haven't had a chance to listen to any but one, but I listened to, picked out one that I thought was going to be good and showed it to my, I have student teachers that come at the end of the day and I showed it to her and the girl who I picked like gave a good, a really good explanation, you know, so at least one kid got something out of all of that. Um, it was, we were, we're doing two tenths times four tenths and they all were, um, tricked that it was eight tenths by the wrong, by the person's wrong work. And she went back and explained, well, I know that two, the whole number two times four tenths is going to be eight tenths. So two tenths times four tenths can't be eight tenths. And then she showed her little algorithm of how she got it. So I was so glad that she went to some meaning first, not straight to we need two digits behind the decimal. Sure. She, she started with meaning. So somebody heard something. And how cool is it to hear her say it and not just write it, you know? So I was excited that Flipgrid worked. I have to say, I don't know what you were doing, and I don't know if this is math, but I still need to hear about it. Your kids were all in the hallway, and they were like, talky, 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 talky to each other, and then they were moving, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, that triggered something in me, and so I did that. That's how we talked about the problems. I put them around the room, yeah. and then they um, – the inside circle would rotate or the outside circle would rotate. So were you doing math or were you doing something else? We were doing math and I would do it in my classroom. There's just not a whole lot of space and we're working on active listening and um, we do a lot of strategy share time and I'm always trying to impress upon them that that's a time that we get smarter because we learn from strategies that other people are doing mm -hmm. and they don't always want to listen to their classmates yeah. talk. And so we just lined them up. There was a line A and a line B and they sat across from each other. And we talked about holding your notebook and tracking the speaker and tracking their finger and listening. And so side A would explain their strategy and then I'd snap and side B would explain their strategy. And then the side B would just scoot down one. And mm -hmm. then they did that three times just to kind of hear. And then the last rotation, they talked about something that they would, a takeaway. What would they do next time? What pattern did they not notice? What aha did they have? And then obviously with gifted students, you're going to have that kid that's like, well, mine was so great and I didn't learn anything. Yeah, and so there was an out for them. If yours was just so awesome this time, which was great, woohoo, you know, 
say something to your partner that was confirmed that you're thinking that was confirmed by another partner. So okay. we, I've, I do that a lot, but I just started going out in the hallway, which might be a distraction no, to you. No, um, it just gave because me we're running idea. out of room. Yeah. I was, I, I, I really didn't know what was going on, but I had seen that. Is it kind of like speed dating? Does, is that sure. what it's called? You know, um, where you like quick talk to the next person. And right. so just like, 20 seconds of seeing what is going, what is she doing made me go, I'm going to try that. And yeah. so we did around the room with whiteboards and cool. it was really cool. And and we had, just because I knew that some of them were going to get annoyed, sometimes the inside circle would move and sometimes the outside uh. circle. And they would go <laughs> opposite directions. So they always kept having new people. That so. would throw mine for a loop. Like, yeah. Same direction yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would throw me. I'd be like, which circle is supposed to move? Who knows where we are? <laughs> so... <laughs> Cool. Thanks for sharing that strategy inadvertently. You didn't know that you did. Um, so, Jay, you have a math moment for today. You want to share? No. Okay. Well, then move on. So, <laughs> a, while, a long time ago, you and I talked about having and doubling, and you were trying to figure out that's such a great strategy. How do you get them? How do you just not just tell it to them? Like, sure. How do you get it to walk walk into it? And if you want to talk about that process, you can. But I'm really interested, too, in are they using it right now? And is it a strategy that they ha- can use fluently? Sure. So um, it's going well. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I found kind of the best way with this is to present them with a, a problem solving that has lots of different problems within that, like find all the ways you can. And so when they set up for that, they're intuitively looking for patterns. Mm. And so, for example, we had from the exemplars website, Mm -hmm. it was there are X number of legs allowed in the barn at any time, which was kind of a weird story (laughs) problem to set up. Yeah. Um, And if there are a hundred legs in the barn and we have spiders with eight legs or, you know, crickets with six legs, how many of those animals can be in the barn at one time? And so then after they solved that, it was, well, thinking out of the box with mythical creatures with any amount of legs, how many different legged creatures could be in the barn at one time? So Mm. when they're just kind of solving and seeing those patterns or trying to solve, they instinctively saw I can half and then I have to double this. Mm -hmm. Um, Or another thing we did was with the doorbell rang. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then... After we did that story together, then we amped it up with a higher number. And so just even on my, on their recording sheet, just like organizing the, the amount of kids that came that they had to share Hmm. the cookies with forced them because you would put shared with 12 kids and then shared with six kids or, or, Mm, so it forced them to see it without forcing them to see it. Yeah. Um, and so the next step I think for me is naming it. The strategy. Mm-hmm. So lots of groups are doing it independently and um, they're sharing it during our strategy spotlight time, mm-hmm. but we haven't named it yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. officially named it. Yeah. So that's kind of our, our next step. So now it's one that we all have in our tool belt and we can all utilize yeah. it. Cool. I like that. Um, and it, it, like thinking about where it's going to go. Um, well, let me back up and say that the, the person who was in your room last year, I feel like she that she clung to that and her kids really got it. So they came to me. A lot of my students came to me in fourth grade having that. And, you know, they, they use it all the time. But it's kind of cool. Like now sometimes we're changing it to be like we're going to multiply something by 10 and then we're going to divide something by 10. Right. And they're, they're using it with tenths. Um, I don't know that we've really – not everybody gets that, but some of them are – recognizing, you know, change it one way, change it the other right. way, back and forth. I don't know. Kind of I think number talks 
works mm-hmm. with that too mm-hmm. when you're trying to solve and if you want to change one side, change in the other in the opposite mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Cool. Yay. So your next uh, your next step is to name it. I like it. And and once then they're going to start to like I'm using that. I'm using right. that, you know, right. all the time. That's cool. How about you mentioned this might I don't know if this was the leg problem or not, but you you told me in passing that one day in the hall that you were going to give them a problem that was really division, but you hadn't really talked about division yet. Was that the leg thing? Yeah, so that was okay. the leg problem and the idea was again to force them to think division mm-hmm. um just simply because it's a division problem and um the night before i was like there's no way these kids are just going to naturally or instinctively repeated su- repeatedly subtract or hop backwards on a number line like they're going to do what's comfortable for them and i just knew that when presented with a problem like this they were going to add up eight legs till they got to their total they were going to skip count by cuz that's what they're used to mm-hmm. um so then i was just like what how am i going to get them to do division um, when they're so good at the inverse. And mm-hmm. so then I had like a, oh, let me try this. And so I knew I couldn't, I didn't want to say solve this problem, but don't repeat it, like don't repeat it ad or yeah. whatever, yeah. because that doesn't seem right either. Um, so then I took it as an opportunity to really show the inverse relationship between the two. Cause in the past I'd always just said, oh, they're related facts. Mm-hmm. You know, you can so- use one to solve the other. Um, but this, I think was the strongest year I had for like that discovery piece of that. Mm-hmm. So when we came back to share strategies, they all had this addition, re- repeated additions, multiplication strategy. And so my goal was to enlighten them. Oh my goodness, you just did division and you didn't know it sort of mm. thing. So we talked about- I tricked you into division. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I reminded them or displayed a problem that we had worked on previously that was multiplication. And I put it side by side with our division problem. And we, I asked them to turn and talk, what is similar between these problems? What is different? On and on and on. And so we came to the agreement that, you know, the difference of the totals, given the total, find, you know, finding the total, that sort of thing. And I said, does anybody know what we call a type of problem like the one we did today with the legs where we're given the total and we have to find out how many groups or how many in each group and kind of crickets. And I said, this mm-hmm. is division. And I said, you guys just did division. But the cool thing is you solved it with multiplication. Yeah. And so I said, if you feel like you don't know division, but you're a multiplication master, you can permanently solve division problems. And so that was the first time I think I did the inverse operation justice, I think, because um, cool. I could really see it. Um, but now I'm kind of struggling with they they still are just shying away from practicing division and it's quote easy for them right now because the numbers are manageable Mm -hmm. and they can skip count and feel do that quickly and they know the repeat addition or they know the multiplication fact Um, but then if they were to just be given a novel problem where they don't know the related fact they're still kind of like yeah and so we talked about division strategies that are on the curriculum like the the equal groups and the arrays and that sort of thing but they're just so reluctant to use them Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of where we are now so Help me with what your objective is in third grade with division. Like, are they doing remainders? Are they doing what's probably just facts, right? Right. So it's just no remainders. Okay. Um, double digit by one digit. Okay. They have to be able to do it with equal groups, arrays, number lines, and repeated subtraction. Um, so I'm trying to impress upon them that I love that you're using this multiplication and what you're good at and what you know. But we have to have strategies in our toolbox for if we get to a division problem and yeah. we don't know the multiplication. So here's one you could try. Um, and so I'm trying to keep giving them problems and encourage them to use the division strategies we've 
we've I've taught them now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still kind of struggling. So what with would that. be one you'd want them to? This is so interesting to like think about the beginning of it because I'm like the next step where we have to go into the three digit by one, you know, divided right. by one digit number. So what what are some of the ones that you wish they'd be using? Um, I think equal groups is probably the most efficient out of the other ones that they have available to them mm-hmm. right now out of the strategies that are required by the by the curriculum because arrays are just drawing those dots. Mm-hmm. And we talked about when we fair share into groups, do we have to do it one at a time or can we okay. do two at a time? Can we share five at a time? Can mm. we share 10 at a time? Would it, you you know, till we get to our total. Yeah. So that's kind of where the conversation's been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they will fair share with, with a number that makes sense and is efficient. So does that look like, cause that's where I, we go next in my long, di- what has turned out to be our long division algorithm was like, can you give everybody 10? Right. That kind of right. thing. So does in, in third grade, does that look like draw circles, circles. for your number of groups and then start putting yep. some? Okay, yep. cool. I gotcha. I was going to say, that's something you you have, I've heard from you a lot late yeah. this year yeah. is the whole fair share yeah. thing of making those groups. And then the goal would be to do kind of like the open array, like, right? Am I mean? Right, yeah. And um, see if they can split it and divide again by those bigger chunks. Okay. Ooh, I I... I haven't thought a lot about what division looks like with an array, but I do know that that's one of the things on in third grade and number line too. Neither of those t- end up like lasting into fourth grade. Because they're not efficient. Yeah. To be yeah. honest. It just takes for, I mean, if you got to draw the whole number line out to 49 and yeah. hop seven at a time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the, but the equal groups does turn out to be. Right. Okay. However, on the test, they could be given a model sure. and having to f- and have to figure out which what division problem is modeled sure. here, yeah. which is kind of a frustration point for them because they're like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do this or this just takes forever. Yeah. I know a more efficient way. Why do I have yeah. to do the number line? And so, so you're making me think about. I'm glad we've had this conversation because. I feel like I need to move on from decimal multiplication. Tomorrow has to be the division. And so I might start it. I'm not going to start by saying we're doing decimal division today. I'm just going to start a problem that they can solve by repeated addition sure. or, or equal groups or something. And then, ha you did division. <laughs> <tricked> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for yeah. that for that <laughs> little re- repeat or reminder. Ruth, you have anything you want to add yet? I am just very intrigued with, because I'm two years, three years ahead of you, mm-hmm. you know? And so when they come to me, I just, you just have to know that. Like, I don't know that we've ever, I've ever thought about having to model 56 divided by seven. Right. You know, what does that look like? Um, we, I spend so much time talking about what to do with your remainder, mm-hmm. you know, whether yeah. it's a fraction or whether it's a decimal, because they do have it. Right. Which is really the benefit of us sitting around the table as different age group teachers, right? Right. Because you're talking about the struggle that they have to do division. And I'm like, yeah, but they get it. You know, like you need that confirmation sometimes that. So what that teacher is teaching is really hard. And last year they were just introduced to multiplication, you know, you, sure. I don't know. That's kind of where I'm taking, where my takeaway is, is sometimes we stand in our classroom, like what in the world did your teacher do last <laughs> yeah. year? You right. Know? Cause you don't know this, yeah. but now I'm sitting with a third and fourth grade teacher. Like we are all working really, really hard, yeah. Yeah. you know? So we just have to pick up where they left off and you're going to send me kids 
that got it. And then you're going to send me kids who were like deer in headlights right. all year. I don't, I don't know. That's just kind of where my takeaway is. Like, wow, they're doing division for a long time before they get to <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. some of them still struggle, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, we might not want to go too far into a division, but, um, I am curious, does it, I think I heard you say it, but does it come up in your conversation that the divisor can be the number of groups or the size of the groups? Does that come up much in third grade? Yeah. So we haven't gotten there yet. That's Mm -hmm. kind of, cause it's usually easier for them to have, to know the amount of groups and define, I thought we were talking about, and then they have to find how many is in each group. Yes, exactly. But then it could also be like, you have five groups, how many Right. Wait, no. <laughs> five in each group. Five in each group. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we do have that conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And um, that's, that is really important because when we get to decimal division, you have to sometimes think about like dividing by a decimal divisor means how many of those are inside your right. dividend, you know, and there's no, yeah, Jay's like, I'm out. He's oh, tapping God. out. <laughs> um, uh, there's no other way to think about it. To, or to conceptualize it once you get to decimal. So, right. okay. We can move on from that. <laughs> I, I'm so excited tomorrow now. Thank you. Right. So I'm going to like completely change the subject sure. because I am um, working on a project now as like the last class to become a math specialist, which is um, providing professional development mm-hmm. for colleagues. Yeah. And so maybe this is like a selfish question, but it's more because you are, in comparison to me, a novice teacher. Right. So in your years, is there something that was done that was like, that was really good or that really got on my nerves? Okay. So we're talking and I find out something or you tell me something you're doing in your classroom and I know a better way right. because I've taught for a long time. Sure. How do I tell you, hey, try this right. without making you feel like you are beneath me? Because that is totally not my intention. Um, but I feel like that's sometimes how I come across. Maybe it's just a personal thing. Like, is there a time where you were in your career where a mentor teacher said something to you and you were able to take it away and it was done in such a great way. Right. Um, so I think part of that without sounding like tooting my own horn, I think part of that comes from me wanting to learn. (laughs) That sounds so bad. No, Uh, but I've sat, I, I am novice, but I have been on the kind of the opposite end and seen like teacher coworkers who are just so about the rounding rules or five or more raise a, you know, there's no conceptual like that mm-hmm. really gets me mm-hmm. or, uh, <laughs> or magic like magic words around here. Yeah. <laughs> or like go next door, get 10 more like that. And I haven't known how to go about being like, they're not getting it. Um, and so I think part of it comes one from just teacher willingness to go to that mentor teacher and say, how do you teach this? How, how can I, make this start with conceptual. Um, another thing that was probably the best thing for my math career was being part of a cohort that just did lesson studies. And wow. so um, I don't know what the opportunity is for that in, in LCS, but it was led by the math person for elementary curriculum. 
And there was a team of like 15 of us and we would just get together because some of those lessons that have problems on them that you might find on NCTM or something like that, they're like 10 pages to Mm -hmm. like really when you read through all of it and things kids might say or how to prepare. And that's effortful and can be overwhelming. And so we would get together around a table and really dive into a very particular lesson that would go over three days. And then we would go to that teacher's classroom um, and observe a teacher teach it in the morning, observe a teacher teach the same lesson in the afternoon, and then we debrief about how we could go back and incorporate it into our classroom. And so that was super powerful. It certainly requires resources to do that. Yeah. Um, but just having a team of people that studies lessons together and talks about common volunteer. Miscon- yeah. <laughs> common misconceptions about the lesson or about the curriculum. I don't know how you, I guess, unsolicited give strong math advice unless someone wants to receive it or unless they've been asked by administration to receive it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's, that's all that PLCs are for too. That would be a a great place to bring that up. But from my experience, different PLCs have different focuses. Um, but that's always a a great place to start sharing teaching Mm -hmm. strategies. And I think all always, the proof is in scores too. And so if you are truly bringing data to PLC meetings and a colleague who could use some mentorship, um, scores are, are, are not what they could be. That's a great opportunity to come in and say, well, how did you teach it? Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't very helpful. No, I mean, but it's confirmation that you, you know, I guess if I were asked the question, I would say relationship is really important. Right. Like I have to establish myself as someone who is willing to help you or willing to go the extra mile. Like if you're going to come to me and say, Hey, I'm teaching this. What could I do? Mm -hmm. I'm going to do some research and I'm going to find something, not just rattle something off the top of my head. Right. Like, Oh yeah, that's really easy. I've taught that. Um, which is kind of where I am. I just, I don't know. I wanted you to say, oh, I had this mentor who did this. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, one of the things that you said that I heard was like it has to be that person has to be willing for it to really sink in and work. And I think this is one of the things that I've been hearing in my program. So Ruth and I are in different programs, but <clears throat> working on the same degree. And I keep reading and hearing that like in your first couple of years of being a math specialist, you want to go to the people that want the help. So like, right. if I were going to be a math specialist, I'd work with you because right. <laughs> you, you are, re, you know, receptive and don't start with the person who's like, my rounding rules are, you know, the shiz. Like, right, right. You know? And so, you know, and then the, like people are going to start to see that some, something cool is happening in your classroom. You know, your, your horn's going to get tooted. Like, then it's going to branch out. Then people are going to be like, I want that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe like, what can I, what are you doing over there that's going so well? Mm-hmm. You know, so f- everything I read says those first couple of years, pick the people that want the help. And it's not going to necessarily be the, the neediest. It. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, might be like the middle or the top who still want to keep getting better. You know, something else you said, but it's gone now. That's just... I don't know the answer either to like when you see something that can be improved, that that person is not ready to hear it. And that's, I mean, that's in all aspects of life too. Yeah. For life advice. If someone's doing, making a poor life choice, I guess, and Mm -hmm. you want to give advice to them and they're not ready to hear it. That's true. 
You just mm. have to wait till it's the right time. Here I am parenting adults. <laughs> yeah. Giving you lots of confirmation. Like, girl, you have that figured out. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm, we won't go there. We'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> oh, Okay. So, um, have you seen any specific, it's kind of on the same line, any specific growth in yourself this year as a math teacher, or do you have any goals that you're, and, or are you have any specific goals that you're working towards this year in math? Um, so this year has presented a little bit of a different kind of challenge, um, in the learners that I'm working with. So this is, um, probably one of the higher classes I've worked with in terms of my gifted experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like to call them Swiss cheese holes in their learning. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've noticed and learned this year that their Swiss cheese holes and their math learning is so varied, Mm -hmm. um, from student to student. Mm -hmm. And so in previous experience, um, teaching maybe a gen ed classroom, there may be one or two high flyers that come with background knowledge and I can accommodate to that, but most of them are on kind of a level playing field of of the same level. Mm -hmm. Um, but their background knowledge for math this year has been so varied and so vast that it's been challenging to figure out even within one strand, they might really be good at this, but not good at this. And Mm -hmm. it's all across the board. So, um, I think I've grown in terms of the pretest piece of teaching and the analyzing that data and trying to pinpocket who needs what whilst not boring kids and what they don't need and providing other opportunities for those who don't have a hole there. Mm-hmm. But that's still also my goal because I'm I'm still working at it and still mm-hmm. trying to get better at it. And um, it, th- some of my kids are so smart in certain areas and how do I keep challenging them but they might be really smart in multiplication, but they don't know the number line strategy because they've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't want to bore you with this, but it's still my responsibility to show you this model. Yeah. So just kind of filling in those gaps that are so all over the place and, and using that data to do so is how I've grown and, and how I'm hopeful to so continue to go. So how about the student that has the least amount of holes mm-hmm. but is not willing to, like, take a challenge? Like I got that kid in my room too. You know, mm. like I am just <laughs> right smart. Right. And that problem that you have on the board, it's easy. Tracy, the weekly challenge that you gave me, the challenge about the f- photograph, yeah. the Sophie Germain. Yeah. He just wrote 61, filled up his whole <laughs> page within two minutes mm. of reading it. Huh. And so then I'm filled like, up the whole page with an explanation. Oh no no no! Just, just wrote one 60, huge C, like uh, a giant six and a giant like one, big enough Ooh. for the people around him to uh, see what he had written on his paper. Uh, and for me, I'm like, I haven't figured that out yet. Right? I don't, know, <laughs> I don't even know if that's the answer. Right? But that is really annoying to me. Yeah. And if I were to like say, okay, there's less than two hundred, huh? you know, like make that a little bit harder, he wouldn't take it. Right. He would say, is it required? Ooh. Mm -hmm. Do I have to? Like, I would rather just sit here and look at you like this is not even challenging than to get And nothing, nothing ever gets his feathers ruffled. It's not even that nothing. It's just like that you said Swiss cheese. And I'm like, that is him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This might be interesting to him. But the challenge wasn't. Like the day that we did... um, use we were doing the bowl effect mm-hmm. 
and we couldn't make one of the numbers. And so I was just pulled him over to the side and I'm like, let me show you this really cool math thing. And I showed him factorials. He went back to his seat and figured out 25 factorial all the way down wow. every single number. He was off by one digit. It was in the hundred thousands place. So, yeah. you know, he's off by a hundred thousand, but he just did it all by hand. Like that made him, he got that. Yeah. But then he's just going to write a big old 61 on his paper. Right, and the checkerboard yeah. challenge, he just turned it in with the answer on it. 84. <laughs> you know, just kind yeah. of. Right. So I don't know if you had like, well, this is what I do for this kid or. I don't know. I'm hoping like I love math day. Pluck them. Right, Jay says right. pluck them. <laughs> Thankfully, all my little third graders, you like can give anything and call it a contest or a challenge mm. and they are in yeah <laughs> um i don't know but six, see he doesn't like attention graders. drawn to himself he is very very introverted and so he doesn't want me to be like oh look he got it he knows what it is and i know that's why he didn't do the checkerboard challenge with any kind of effort because he didn't want to win mm-hmm. um well if he doesn't want the attention why does he write the number so big on his paper that everybody he around him know that he was done. just you right I wouldn't embarrass him because yeah. that would embarrass him. Yeah. But man, do I want to challenge him. Right. Um. Anyways, that's all I just. Let me think about that. I don't one. have an answer for you. That's, yeah. That's hard. Girls, you are like no answer, no answer for my question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. The, when, to go back to your pre-test idea, um, I'm, I've been trying that too. I, I cannot say that I'm a pro at using the pretest data or even giving a pretest sometimes. But one of the frustrating things in in our group of kids is that sometimes they can solve it because their dad, you know, a year ago taught them the algorithm, right. but they have no understanding of right. why. And so you have to ask the question three different ways before you realize, do they really understand what's happening here? Well, and then they just look at you like, uh, I told you the answer. I did you not see? I solved it. Mm-hmm. But and like kind of what you're saying, like, uh, hello, and your point. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of taking them out of that mentality of like you have to be able to explain yeah. your thinking. And where do you get those pretests? I mean, you don't even know what they don't know. And so to sit down and create like order of operations, I'm like, yeah, I should probably do a pretest on this and see who knows it and who doesn't. Right. But what kind of questions do you ask that you really have a true understanding of how to solve these without, I don't know. And so what did I do? I just was like, everybody's going to learn this. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Me too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> let's see. Is there something that you want to, that you are like, would like to? you have a question about or something you'd like to get better at or, you know, something you're moving into or something that didn't work so far. You know, we, we like to think we have some answers. <laughs> we might have a, I don't know, cause that's been our <laughs> answer a lot tonight, but do you have, is there something we can help you with or um, try to help you with? Next on our agenda is fractions. Oh, yay. Oh, yeah. And I have Woo! a, I have a love hate relationship yeah. with fractions. Um, and I feel I p- feel pretty solid with the third grade fraction content at this point mm-hmm. and how to um, make it conceptual and challenging and, and all those sorts of things. Um, but the fourth grade piece is new to me this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's some things that I'm probably going to be speaking to you about. So like the greatest common factor piece and the yeah. least common multiple and adding with unlike denominators, like, wow. Yeah. And yeah. so those are just things that when I first started teaching, um, kind of like with reading, like you just read and don't think about it. You just do a multiplication problem and don't think about it. But when you think about teaching it, what are the steps to get to that end goal that mm-hmm. I had to do? And so again, with those fourth grade skills within fractions, yeah, I can add fractions with unlike denominators, but what are the 10 steps leading up to it that yeah. they have to be able to do before we get there? So right. just kind of having someone to think that out loud with and what is the logical sequence of, of this, mm-hmm. um, I think would be helpful. Yeah. So, so I'd love to walk through that with you and we might end up working on it at the same time. Are you, how soon are you starting? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I know, right? Cause I, yeah, I still gotta, I think I'm going to go out of order. Don't tell anybody, but I'm going to do geometry and then I'm going to go do fractions. Go ahead. I okay. like that idea. Yeah. I might just do that yeah. myself. Um, but let's give, let's see. So that's a big question. And I would love to like sit down and digest it together because I feel like I need to think through it well, right. purposefully too. But maybe we could give like one thing that you think is important. You got one ready? I think so. Um, I last year decided that I was going to do fractions every week not just like a unit on fractions because it really is the word that makes sixth graders like, Oh, and as a sixth grade teacher, you come to me and you've added and subtracted. And now I'm going to teach you to multiply and divide. And if I'm only teaching you algorithms now you copy just, change flip. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually stay switch, switch. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, you're just asking me, is that what I'm going to do? You know? And so one of the things that I have used that has been the most beneficial lesson, um, this is another really funny one, but I, I just kind of, uh, stumbled into it. Mm-hmm. So on the board, I wrote one apple like a fraction and two apples and put a plus sign between them. And I told the students, listen, this is top secret. I just want you to write what you think the answer is and cover up your paper. And I'm going to walk around. And we had this like boys and girls, every single person knew the answer to that question was three apples. Nobody wrote three apple apples. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Right. We just good. Okay. So then I changed the problem and I said one apple and three bananas. Can you write what this would be if you were going to add these together? Well, without even like thinking about where this was going to go, my super high achievers didn't know what to write. So they wrote four banapples. Sorry. <laughs> and, That's great. Right? I Four pieces of fruit. <laughs> That's what well, I was thinking. Thank you. Yeah. That is exactly what Two of the girls who were low achievers in math, very, very not self-confident at all, like just wrote three fruit and fruit was their denominator. Right. They were the only two in the class who got it right. So I made this great big deal about, could you tell me what you wrote? And I watched these like really smart kids just kind of like sink, like about that. Right. So then we have a conversation about that is what the job of the denominator is. It's just to tell you the names of the pieces. Yeah. They wear a name tag that say, hello, my name is fifth. 
And if you have a name tag that says, hello, my name is Fifth, look, we have two Fifths. Oh, that's good. Right? There's no need to change our names to Tenths. But if you're a Fifth and I'm a Seventh, well, we have to find out something we have in common. Common. Yeah. Right? So that's why we call it fruit. That's good. Because that's what apples and bananas have have in common. common. And we use it all the time. In everything we talk, if we have two boys and seven girls, we have nine students. It's just natural to change the noun so that they... It fits. Yeah, so that it fits. And so I still, like, I tell that great story and they think it's... The funny part of it is those three boys were always competing and they all got the wrong answer. And so that became our... There's no such thing as a banapple, right? Mm-hmm. Right? You failed in math class that day. And a couple weeks later in lunch, I look over and they're like digging a hole in their apple and shoving their banana <laughs> so that they could bring it to me and say, there is such thing as a banapple. That's great. Right? So fast forward like three years, it's open house. I'm meeting these new kids. Um, Jeremiah's coming from homeschool wearing complete suit his dad is like, this is your math teacher. Shake her hand. And I can see this kid is so nervous to meet me at open house. And in one's run of those kids who's now like a sophomore in high school. And he gets really close to Jeremiah's face. And he's like, there's no such thing as a pineapple. And runs out. <laughs> oh, man. So now. Poor it's, guy. Exactly. So now it's that day in math class, you know, in December. And I get to Jeremiah's paper and I ask the same question every year. And he writes, I don't know what it is, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. So I tell that story and the kids just think banapples. And then I just can say it. Look, I see some banapples here. You are just mixing things together. You're putting those denominators together. What's the job of the denominator? And I told Tracy the other day we were running. I did. We're doing order of operations and a fraction one game up there. I didn't show them how to multiply fractions yet. They've never seen it. But it said one-third times 12 plus one-third. And someone's like, we don't know how to multiply fractions. And I'm like, well, what if it said one dog 12 times? Well, we'd have 12 dogs. Okay, well, we don't have dogs. We have thirds. So what do you have? 12 thirds? Yeah, because (laughs) it's just the name tag. It's just the piece. Right. It doesn't have to be a scary two number thing and sometimes even just writing them in a sentence with a little hyphen like we have one fourth and we got three fourths it's not the algorithm it's just what would that be in your english class right Mm -hmm. and the numerator is your adjective and tells you how many you have so that corresponds and analogies with english and math make it a little less Scary. Yeah. I'm a Banapple fan. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And you can tell that story because it... They, I'm, I'm using it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretend it was your kid. Right. They love to tell that story. Sounds like a juice. A Banapple. Yep. Banapple Snapple. juice. Snapple, Banapple. So my, um, my one thing would be the whole fair share fractions mm-hmm. as, as fair share. And um, we were talking about it upstairs a few minutes ago, the right. whole sub problem. Um I like to do brownies and and I I feel like it's a thing that should have happened in second grade with fractions and when you look at our second grade curriculum it should say it should it's lots of fair share but it it doesn't happen cuz the identifying. teachers yeah the teachers don't know like 
And so I feel like that's where I'm even going to start this year is here. I'm giving you paper, you know, pieces of paper that look that are just rectangles. And I want you to share these equally with this number of people. Okay. Now we're going to change it up and share it equally with this number of people and, and building that also builds in the fourth grade concept of, um, fractions is division, you know, how many, how many you're, you're starting with and you know, how many you're, you're sharing it with all that stuff. So that is, that was a missing piece when I, I've been out of the regular classroom for two years. I did not do that three years ago when I was in fourth grade, but I'm going to add that back in this year when I start. That's good. my whole little brownie. I get out the little bear counters, and we're gonna actually cut them, and you know, use like stirring sticks. You're gonna you... cut the bears up? No, we're gonna cut the brownies, the little pieces uh, of paper uh. that are brownies, like an eighth of a piece of construction paper, and um, and take like stir sticks or coffee stirs or right. something. If you if you're not sure, you lay those down there beforehand to show oh, where smart. you're gonna cut them, and then like see is it gonna work, and then start cutting. You know, um. Have we talked about that lesson before? We but that is a really good idea because, you know, like make your own fraction bars. Yeah. Folding. Yeah. Whoa. I like that, but it's okay. <laughs> that sounded way too much like a make your own Sunday bar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all this you're food. the one who's like, oh, it's so beneficial. And I remember I tried it just in summer school. And you hated it. Because I didn't have 20 kids in summer school. I only had five. And so, yes, we are definitely going to make this. And Oh, it was like, I what? Just, Sorry, I interrupted you. No, but I mean, just like the folding, like I'm looking at your face and we're kind of on the same page. Like, yeah. That's not my favorite thing to do because I don't have empathy for someone who can't fold it equally into thirds yeah. and understand the benefit yeah. of it. <laughs> I've done sentence strips with those before and mm-hmm. that's been helpful too, just to have the whole and essentially making fraction strips. But yeah, yeah. Sentence strips help. All right. I'm excited to talk it over with you in more more detail when we get there. Um, All right. So Jay's over here giving me the stink eye. This might be the longest podcast to date, but I have so enjoyed your ideas. Thank you. And it's been fun. Like, I feel like I'm learning. And and what you said, Ruth, about like three different levels and and following that idea is so strong. That was really cool. So we always end with a takeaway. And so if um, whoever's ready, if you have some kind of takeaway of something you're going to work on or something you learned, something you hadn't thought of in a while, anybody ready? I'm taking your strategy spotlight. I'm thinking about my classroom and we're going to do it tomorrow with solving equations because today was just the first day. And so we're going to pull out hands-on equations and anyone who's going to do it, like breaking the rules or whatever, we're going to talk about strategies. We're going to see how far you can go. So cool. I'm Strategy excited to, That's yeah, cool. yeah I like for that. being able to solve them. I'm definitely telling the banana. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what, but banana, banana apple. and apples. Banana. I'm telling that story. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, and you've really given me something to think about in terms of, how does one sh- share strong pedagogy with someone who's maybe not ready to hear it or doesn't want to hear it? And what does that look like? And how do we encourage teammates and what they're doing um, and, and still do best practice? Um, right. How do we become approachable? Right. Um yeah. So that's a, a food for thought for me. And I probably still won't have the answer for you. And not that people are coming to me for advice, but just how, how do we, how do we build each other up and, and encourage best practice and in our profession mm-hmm. and for the, for the, for the sake of kids and their yeah. learning. Yeah. yeah. That's good. 
I think my takeaway is trying to be more empathetic. Ugh, I'm giving you the stink eye right now, back, JJ. I got JJ. the stink eye. But um, I'm, I'm realizing that there are some kids that are struggling, and, and I just keep getting frustrated because they won't ask questions. Well, what does it feel like when they, when they do ask questions? And, and are they – it's not my intention, but are they made to feel dumb? And I'm thinking about, like, how can I change that? Can I use the – what was it? Time, time, helper time, helper time, you know, what can I do to make them coming to me for help less painful to them? <laughs> Even when I don't feel like it should be painful, just, you know, so I'm going to work on that. The, the whole feeling part of I it. I don't think you make people feel dumb. I know I cut you off pretty hard earlier about the empathetic thing. Yeah. I don't think you, you, that's not what, what you do. Just sometimes you don't, maybe you don't always feel it when somebody else is, is struggling or, yeah. I don't get is, the feeling part right. of mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because you don't struggle with anything. She scored a zero on feeling in whoever that <laughs> test Matt is. Matt Myers Briggs. I'm literally. A zero. I think it was a negative one. Yeah, actually. pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I but I don't I, I don't know. I just it's it's not my go to reaction. My go to reaction is like I'm gonna get this. What do I you right. know? What do mm-hmm. I what what are the thinking steps I need to get through? I'm thinking about the, the process, you know, and less about oh I feel bad. You know. It sure does save on drama, though, when you're yeah. not a feeler. I'm not, yes. Yep. That's why Tracy and I have been friends for a long time. <laughs> both of us are but just kind of like feeler alert. Right? <laughs> we need you, Hannah. We need you. Because uh, there are kids in my class that are feeler. So right. I needed to hear that because <laughs> I can't just expect the classroom, you know, full of thinkers. Right. So what's your takeaway, Jay? Well, I actually have one this week. Yes. I stumbled across a, a video on YouTube today. It just happened to be like next in my like on my favorites and it was, and it came up and it's a song. And I think I've shown you before by Tom Lair, who was like a piano playing comedian in the sixties and it's called new math. Yeah. And it's kind of a description and I'll put a link in the show notes to to go and watch it. Cause the version that I have here actually has um, a modern animation over top of the music. Uh And it's so funny because his whole thing is, you know, it used to be we did math to get it right. Now we do math class so that we know what we're doing. You know, something silly. And it's, you know, it's ironic how he's he's making fun of it. But yeah, and it just made me think, you know, I saw it. It's like, it's exactly what you guys are always talking about. Mm. You know, teaching mm-hmm. math is not about teaching the right answer. It's about understanding what you're doing to get to the answer. Yeah, exactly. And the very end, he goes, next week. Fractions. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah. Coming up fractions. All right. right. I can't wait to see those show notes. I know. All right. Well, um, this is just a reminder that you can find our show notes on www.mathbeforebreakfast.com and um, reach out, ask us any questions or comments or feedback, like, follow, all the other things I'm supposed to say when you own a podcast. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe. There you go. <laughs> that one, yeah. That's the one. Um, thanks for listening. Hannah, thanks so much for of being course. with Thank us. Of course. Thank you for having this me. This was really fun. And, and um, so we, I will see you, Ruth, on the run tomorrow. Um, you want to join us on a nope. run? Okay, great. <laughs> I'm a feeler who does not run. Okay, great. All right. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>